next week a new uh, prayer, uh, new sermon series, and we're going to be talking about prayer. We have been uh, through the summer, uh, sort of talking about how uh, God is calling us to to do something significant for Him, and to follow that up, we wanted to to talk about prayer, which is actually how we accomplish anything through God. Uh, we can't do it by willpower. We can't just do it by by trying real hard. We only, we only do well in our Christian relationships when we abide in Him. That comes from John 15, uh, verse 5. If you'll abide in me, I will abide in you, and you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we wanted to sort of, as we move into the fall, as things start kicking back up again, we wanted to, to place it on a foundation where we might actually be able to do some, something of significance in, in the heart of the congregation, in this community, and even around the world, that, that we would abide in Him. And the way that happens is, is through prayer. And what we have, what we have been doing is uh, using the Lord's Prayer as a, as a model for that. It, that's what it was intended to be. In, in the Gospel of Luke, the disciples were watching Jesus pray one time. They saw him pray all the time, and there was something different about his prayers. And, and after he finished praying one time, they went up to him and they said, will you teach us how to pray? We, we want to we know what's, what's going on in your prayer because it's, it's different than anything we hear anywhere else. And so we're, we're using that, that prayer, that, that Lord's Prayer. You're all familiar with it. Um, we're using that as as a model, and we're sort of breaking it down. Last week, we talked about the opening, the opening statement. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we talked about a couple things with that. It, that. That lays the foundation for the whole prayer, that if we don't get this part right, that the prayer loses relevance and loses its effectiveness. And the thing that we talked about with that, our... our or sort of a juxtaposition, I, I can't believe I got that out, a juxtaposition, I like that, juxtaposition. it makes me sound important and, and smart, but a juxtaposition of, of God's holiness and awesomeness along with his, his eminence and closeness and intimacy with us. That hallowed, hallowed be thy name, that he is awesome, that he is mighty, that he is powerful, that he has the ability to do anything and everything he wants, that he owes us absolutely nothing, that he depends on nothing, that we are so different from him, we are so less than him, that he is so awesome that we cannot even imagine it, that, that he shouldn't even pay us the least bit of attention because of our sin, because of our unworthiness, that because of his power, that he was able to just speak and everything we know came into existence. It took no effort. It took no planning. He spoke, and it was. Let there be light, and there was. Let there be dry land, and there was. He is that powerful. We need to have a healthy respect for him. We need to have a healthy fear of him. Too many times in our, in our culture, we, we approach him too casually. Yes, we have the privilege of coming to him, but we have to understand we are given that privilege even though we don't deserve it. So you have God's mightiness, hallowed be thy name, wrapped together 
with a God who invites us into relationship and intimacy and gives us the privilege of calling him Father. Can you imagine that God with all that strength, all that power, lets us, with all the sin, with all the mistakes we make, with all the times we ignore him, with all the times we do stuff wrong, he gives us the, the, the privilege of being a part of his family. Of saying, you belong to me. You can be my son and my daughter. Everything that I have is yours. You're heirs to my kingdom. You can call me father. And, and we said that was the basis of the prayer, that, that mystery that, that it's found between his holiness and his closeness. That mystery between his, his power and the intimacy is, is where we find the relationship. That's followed by a statement that means noting who he is, noting how far away from him, we definitely need to give more to his wisdom than we do to ours. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we need to give ourselves to him. That we need to seek his ways, not ours. So that's sort of how we opened ourselves last week. We also passed out some prayer journals. If you are here, we hope you got one. If not, there's some out on the lobby table out there. They're just little vinyl-covered notebooks. And um, what we're doing with these is we're hoping that you might try a new spiritual discipline. And they're little, and they're done that way for a reason. Number one, guys, prayer is not women's business. And so if if I would have gotten you some flowery prayer journal, you would have just, you know, nothing. This fits in your pocket. This isn't as intimidating. And we're hoping that you might just try the discipline of journaling. It's not easy for me. I've been trying to do that along with with you. Um, I, I haven't been using that. I've been doing it on a file on my computer. Uh, it's password protected, so you can't find out what it says. But, um, and I've been journaling in there. I, you wonder why that helps? Let me, let me tell you what, what I find. When I pray, even with the best of intentions, after about a minute and 30 seconds, my mind goes... That journaling helps keep me a little more focused. I also tend to just sort of float from here to there. If, if, if I write down my thoughts during a day, I can look back on it later. It shows me what God is working on in my life. It shows me how he's, how he's speaking to me. It shows me that this thing I thought was so horrible yesterday, I'm not even thinking about it five days later. So he, he, he sort of instructs me in that. And what we're hoping is that, that you might just try that. And that this is just sort of a symbol for that. And so pick one up as you leave. And uh, we hope that, that you might um, sort of extend yourself in your experimentation of, of prayer. You know, as we talk about prayer, it's something everybody knows about, right? Everybody prays. Even if you're not a Christian, even if you don't believe there is a God, there has been some time in your life you have thrown up a prayer. It happens to us all. You're ripping down the highway and you see the lights and, oh, please don't let him stop me. You don't even know who you're praying to, maybe. Or, or, you know, you've done those, if you'll only do this, I promise I'll never, ever had one of those prayers. If, if you'll get me out of this jam, I promise I'll always. Prayer is something we all do. Even, even people who aren't 
believers in God pray. And, and, and it, it's just, but there's, there's more to prayer than just uttering desperation, right? And so that's what we're trying to do is go through this. And, and the passage we use today is sort of the beginning of the second paragraph of the prayer, uh, verse 11 in chapter 6 of Matthew. Give us today the food we need. Or the way we're used to saying it is, give us this day our daily bread. And if you were here last week and went through the whole thing about the introduction of the prayer and everything, and you see this, and the first two words are give us, we're, you're thinking to yourself, we're finally going to get down to what prayer is all about, right? Give us. That's, that's what most of our prayers have to do with, don't they? Give us. Give me. I want. Would you? Please do. Give us. That, that for most of us, is about 99.997 of our prayer life. The other 0.03% is we throw in some righteous talk every once in a while because we think that endears God to us, you know, by please give us this, Holy Father. And then we think that, you know, connects us in some way. But the majority of our prayers are what? They're, they're what we want. It, 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 when it comes down to it, we're a very selfish people, aren't we? We always want something more. And if you've gone to church very long, someone along the way taught you the way that you can trick God into giving you stuff that you shouldn't really get if you put it the right holy spin on it, right? Dear Lord, we need a new house. And God, if you will give me the house, I will use it for the small group that I'm not even a member of yet. I will use it so that we can praise your name and worship and, 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 and singing and praises, hallelujah, holy God, amen. And we think, and we've been taught that if you, can, if you can trick God by using some of that holy language, you might get those things. God, I really need a boat. The preacher gave a thing on baptism, and I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to get him out on the lake so he can baptize some non-believers. If you would just give, him, give us a boat, Lord, we could baptize and transform this area. Our prayers are really fairly selfish, aren't they? Give us. Give us. And, and, and the thing that's even worse is over the last century, the church has actually added to that lie. Teacher after teacher, preacher after preacher, book after book has actually gone as far to say that God will give you everything you want. It, it's so prevalent in our society. You hear it in ways like, if you are sick and you just can't, you're not getting better, pray to God and He will heal you. And if He hasn't healed you yet, it's because you're not praying right. And if you're praying right, it's because there's something wrong with you. It's because you don't have enough faith. And if you had enough faith, you, and if you need more faith, if you will just send me some more money, that will help your faith. And the proof of that, that God will bless you if you honor him, is look at the Mercedes I drive. Because of all the money that you give me to give your faith. It, it's, it's a horrible thing that's been happening in our culture. But I hope you hear it's a lie. 
God is not in the business of giving us everything we want. We tend to think of God as a mall. We just go down to the God mall. You need something? Get on your knees. Hey, God, I, I sure could. I, I could use a new husband. The one I have just not working out, you know. Give him cancer or something. So just help us, God. There, I'm sorry, that's wrong. But um, we, we just sort of approach God sort of like an online shopping, you know. Whatever it is, there's a website for it. And, and if you just pray hard enough, you're going to get it. We have bought into the lie that God's highest ideal is our happiness. That God's highest ideal is giving us everything we want and desire. And I see it all the time. People who come into the church, they've, been, they've heard this wrong teaching. They have wrong assumptions. They come in, they give the Christianity th- thing a chance, and then something goes wrong in their life, and they leave the church, and they get mad at God, and they say, well, tch, he ripped me off. I came to church. He owed me. And my, my grandma still died of cancer. I, I, I gave him my best, and I still have having a hard time at work. I tried my hardest, and, and my spouse still had an affair. And they blame it on God. Because we think that God owes us. Right? Especially in the United States. We have this sense of entitlement that says that God owes us. That he, he should be pretty darn pleased that we dragged our sorry butts here this morning. There was a lot of other things I could have done, God. The Olympics are on. I could have slept in. The lake is right out there. The hot sauce festival is going on downtown, or maybe that was yesterday, I don't know. But there was a lot of things I could have been doing. You ought to be pretty pleased that I'm here, and you ought to be giving me everything I want, right? Could it be that maybe God's highest ideal has nothing to do with our happiness? I, I know that sounds like blasphemy because our culture has just taught the other so much. But could it be there is something more important to God than your happiness? Let me, let me just ask you that. If God's only desire is for your happiness, if that is his highest ideal... If that's what he does for the people he loves, then tell me why his son, Jesus, his son, his one and only begotten son, if his happiness is the highest ideal, if, it, if that's what he does for the people he loves, then why did his son have such a tough life? Why was he allowed to be broken why was he allowed to, to be whipped and stripped and crucified, to be made fun of, to be misunderstood, to be misinterpreted, to be blamed and accused? If happiness is what God wants for us, then why does that happen? And I'll just cut to the chase. I don't think your happiness is God's highest ideal. I think God's highest ideal is relationship. He wants you to know him as God. He wants you to know him as loving Father. He wants you to know him as almighty, all-powerful God. He wants to do whatever it takes 
to draw you to, those, to that rela- relationship. Let me ask you a question. When you do pray, do you pray more when things are going great or when things are difficult? I, raise your hand if it's when you, you pray more when it's great. Thank you for not lying. I was hoping nobody would raise I didn't want to have to embarrass you in front of the rest of the class, but how many of you pray more when there's, it's difficult? I'll, everybody get your hand up. Come on. It's okay in church. You're not charismatic if you do this. You're just <laughs> responding to a quest. Yes, difficulty draws us closer to God. Now, God doesn't send us problems. God didn't make your spouse get sick, didn't make them do, treat you meanly. But is, is it possible that we don't get everything we want to teach us a dependence on God? Is that possible? I think that's what this verse has to do with. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. It has to do with with a trusting in God for what we need. Bread represents the very basic ingredient for survival. The very basic. Notice it doesn't say, give us today our steak, potatoes, uh, french fries, green beans, and, and, and gravy. No, it says our bread. The very basic of what we need. Give us today our bread. Our bread. And it doesn't say, give us for the next 29 years. It says, give us today. Why, why, why only today? Why only bread? What, what, what's being said here? Well, let's start with the bread. If you think back, if you know anything about the Old Testament, you think back, you remember the story about Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt. As they left Egypt, they went out into the desert. They were hungry. They didn't have food. They didn't have supplies. They didn't have their flocks and stuff. So they needed food. They started whining to Moses. Moses prayed to God, and God said, I will take care of it. I'm going to rain down what they called manna. And we don't really know what it was, but it was some kind of nourishment that God gave to the people every day. And he said, when you go out in the morning, it's going to be on the ground. And I'm going to, it will be there every day. Trust me, it'll be there. You will have it. It will, I promise. But only take what you need for the day. Only get what you need for the day. If you take too much, it's going to rot. It's going to stink up your house. Only take what you need for the day. Except for the day before the Sabbath, because I don't want you worrying about food on the day you worship me. So on that day, you can pick two days. But every other day, I'll give you the bread. What he was trying to teach them is what we all struggle with, we all want to be our own source of the future. We trust ourselves. God was trying to teach them to trust Him. By saying, I'm going to give you enough bread for a day, they could only go a day at a time. They had to trust Him for tomorrow. You see, what we do, the tendency in our relationship, the tendency of how we operate is God will give us a little. When he gives us a little, instead of just taking what we need for the day, we begin to hoard as much because you never know what might happen tomorrow. Rainy day is coming tomorrow, you know. And there's even talk in the church. That's called good stewardship, right? 
it, cheapness in the church is called good stewardship. That's, 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 how we, that's how we operate. When I was in Los Fresnos, I kid you not, they would not let us buy Charmin toilet tissue. We had to buy the generic, like Sam's brand. How do you tell people you love them when you're leaving permanent scars on the private parts when they come to visit your church? How are we, how are we saying to somebody, oh, we love, you're important to us. We're sorry about your scabs, but hey, we're... I mean, how, there's, a, there's a sense within the church that we, we do this too. We hoard. Even in this congregation, we're going through a, a time right now from the beginning of this congregation, we have, we have been flush with, with money. We, we, with the, our congregation is a very generous congregation. And God has blessed us through your generosity. And, and throughout the years, we have had enough money and more than enough money. And as we've been going along, I've been talking to the people saying, this is great. We need to celebrate. We need to give God thanks. But when it starts to turn, don't panic, all right? Well, this summer, you know, we've got all this stuff going on in the economy. We're just a little down. Don't get me wrong. We're still doing fine. But it's taken just a little turn. We had a meeting this last week. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Close the door. We better have three offerings on Sunday now because we got to get the money back up. Well, you know what? We are not in need. I was talking to one of my, my friends who's in a downtown church. They're not in the same financial situation as they. I was telling him about this meeting we were having and I wasn't looking forward to it. And he was like, well, what's, tell me what's going on. You know, I'll pray for you. And I told him, I was like, well, we got this much in the bank and we're there for and he stopped me. He's like, that's our yearly budget that you have in reserve in the bank. And you're worried about it. Yeah. How many times do we do that in our own lives? God has blessed us beyond measure. And we have, we have hoarded so much to ourselves. And we have, we have gathered so much in. And we have more than we will ever need or, or use but the stock market goes down and we start panicking because oh, who knows, when I'm 84, I might not be able to drive my Mercedes. It's ridiculous. You know what that is? That's us trusting in ourselves instead of trusting in God. You can either trust in God to provide your needs or you can try to run your own life and hoard. The thing is, there's lots of verses about this. You can hoard all you want, but sooner or later, at some point in your life, you don't get to take it with you. There's only one thing that's eternal. It's that relationship with God. What this prayer is instructing us to do, what Jesus was instructing us to do, the thing about Jesus that the disciples were drawn to was his daily reliance on God. How each and every day he woke up and gave himself over to him. How each and every decision, how each and every word, how each and every thought for Jesus was related to the Father. And Jesus didn't even have a fanny pack to carry stuff around. He just relied on the Father to provide. Now, see, the problem is, we have lived so much in a culture that has screwed around want and need that we can actually convince ourselves that we need things that are really just wants. 
that's why I think everyone needs to travel in, internationally, that you need to get hooked up with some mission or something so you can see what real poverty is. The fact that you don't have an HDTV yet does not mean you're poor. There are, there are places around, you know what I'm saying. We have screwed around need and want so much that we don't even recognize it anymore. But what Jesus is trying to say is, trust me. Trust me. That's what it comes down to, trust. Are you going to rely on your own strength? Are you going to rely on your own wisdom? Are you going to rely on what you can gather? Are you going to rely on me? Do you trust me enough to think that I will meet your needs? Do you trust me enough to think that I can take care of you? Do you trust me enough to put your life in my hands. That, I think, friends, is the highest ideal for God. Our trust, our faith, our relationship. That's what he wants from us. Our love. He is God. He is God Almighty. He is God All-Powerful. He is God who can speak and it was. He is God who can do anything and everything. He is God who relies on nothing or no one. He doesn't care what the stock market is doing. He's not up there having his accountants run through the books saying, hey, Peter, what are we going to do? That does not affect him. He does not rely on anything. Gravity does not affect him. War does not affect him. AIDS and everything does not affect him. He is above all of that. He relies upon nothing. He is saying, can you believe in that God and trust him to be a God who is your father and provider and will make sure that you never go without what you need? What you need. Now, I, wanna, I just want to make one, one sort of encouragement for you. I think if you mishear me, you could walk away from here saying, I'm not ever supposed to pray to God for what I want. Or or I I need to be careful about asking God for something. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. If you follow the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, the next passage is about Jesus saying, if you need something or you want something, sometimes we're so confused we don't know what, but he says, you ask whatever you want of the Father. Bring it on. Knock Knock on the door as often as you need to. Let your concerns be known. Let your wants be known. Let your needs be known. He is not going to get upset by it. And you might say, well, that's contradictory. Well, no, it's not. There's a good way, and then there's a way we do it. But even if you don't do it the good way, he doesn't stop loving us. Think about your own kids. How many of you, your kids have asked a stupid question before? Okay, we're we're playing the game of not responding, but (laughs) kids ask stupid questions, all right? They do all the time. And how many of you kicked them out of the house for that? Stopped loving them. You don't. You'd like to (laughs) at times, but you don't. You might be disappointed with them. You might get angry with them. You definitely tell them no, but you don't stop loving them. Well, if we who are human and mistaken and broken, if we can have enough wisdom and insight to treat our kids that way, then what do you think God, the Almighty Father, who is perfect in His love and grace, What's he going to do when we ask a stupid question? He might say no, but the love never changes. That's part of what I want you to hear. God hears every prayer. 
God hears every request. God hears every utterance. He knows your heart and your mind before you know it. It's not that he's not hearing you. It's not that he's respond, not responding to you. It's that he loves you so much that sometimes the best answer is no. Sometimes you're not getting all the things you want because it would take you farther away from him instead of closer to him. Sometimes you're, you're getting confused on, on his, his presence in your life and it has nothing to do with him punishing you. It just has to do with you. You don't, you're, you don't even know what to ask. And I'm, not, I'm talking about myself. That's the thing I've come to know about who I am is when it comes down to it, I don't know what's best for me. I think I do. I have hopes and dreams and stuff, but it's been proven over and over that when I go on my own thoughts and things like that, I screw things up really well. It's when I follow God, even when it seems like he's leading me into some bad decision, it's always ended up being the best for me. God wants you to share your heart with him. God wants to pour himself out for it. We're going to get into more about how he, he moves and, and works in our lives. You can go to him and ask everything. But, but just know his highest ideal is not your happiness. It's your love. Just, just one final thing. As we, you know, we would like to have a direction for the rest of our lives, you know? Instead of give us this day, we'd like to have, give me a plan for the next 25 years or, or so, you know? I, I, I read these things about like Moses and Paul, and I'm like, dude, just give me a movie or something, a commercial that just would tell me what to do. I would, but again, if, if he did that, then I'd start making my own way of getting there, wouldn't I? I'd start following my own way. I'd start manipulating circumstances to get my own way. What he does is he gives us day at a time. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a light unto our, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. If you, if you want a picture, being up in the middle of the mountains, dark night, you got a little flashlight, you're trying to get home, you shine the flashlight in the distance, what happens? It just sort of fades away. But if you shine the light down on the path, you know what's the next step to take. That's the promise he makes. You might not be able to see the destination. You might not be able to see the final place you're going, but he's going to give you the strength for today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 30 says, why do you worry about today or tomorrow? There's enough problems today. Just trust me. Just allow me to help you with today and tomorrow will take care of itself. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for, for putting up with even our stupid questions. God, we pray that you would help us to, to mature, that you would help us to, to draw closer to you so that we could better understand what it is we need, what it is we we want to do and be. And that only happens through, through your presence. So God, teach us to pray. Teach us how to communicate better with you. And we pray that in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
We're going to close the service with uh, one last song before we sing that.